How many of you know everything there is to know? Right? I mean, there's still things in all of our lives that we need to learn. And so as we dive into God's Word, I want you to take your copy of God's Word, whether in physical form or on your app, and I want you to turn over to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. As you're turning there, uh, in a way of reminder, I want to remind you, we, we study the Psalms typically the last Sunday of a month or in between a series, which is kind of where we find ourselves. We started this two weeks ago, but also we're kind of in between series as well. And so it's just a great way for us to look back. <clears throat> One of the things I want to remind you this morning as we look at Psalm 25 is that it is a lament. It is a lament of David. And so what does that mean? What does that teach us? That teaches us that it's never wrong to cry out to God. Right, that's the thing I love about the psalmist, and it just kind of hit me a few years ago, like this light bulb going off as I was studying psalms, that as we study the book of psalms, we see the psalmist being raw and real with God. Anger, frustration, envy, rage, praise, we, we see it all. And so I want to remind you that this morning. Also, as David writes, David was a man who was after God's own heart, amen? Even though he had sinned mightily, <coughs> he was after God's own heart. And so what's interesting here, too, is I didn't know this until I started studying this psalm, but there are 22 characters in the Hebrew alphabet. And David uses 21 of those 22 characters as a kind of a thought uh, to kick him off as he begins each one of these verses. It is a prayer of defense and guidance and pardon. So I will not read it in its entirety as I typically sometimes do from beginning to end and then unpack it. We'll unpack it as we go along this morning. So first I want to remind, in a way of re, as a reminder, as we looked at the first few verses a few weeks ago, <clears throat> I want you to see this. David says, to you, O Lord, I lift my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. And so what's interesting here is two key words I want you to take note of, and that is trust and wait. How many of you in here this morning are a season in your life that you can identify with what David is saying? If not, maybe by way of reminder, you need to be reminded that we're to trust and to wait. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting. I work for one of the greatest companies in America who is built on speed, and that being Chick-fil-A, and still, as fast as Chick-fil-A usually is, it wasn't fast enough for some people. We don't like to wait. But as we follow God, we must wait. <clears throat> Here he, he uses this note, he talks about his enemies. So not only of us, but of God. And it's God's way of living. That's what people are against. The word exult, that is to gloat over, to, to triumph over, to rejoice in my defeat. That's what he's saying, Lord, don't let them gloat and triumph and rejoice 
my defeat, but I will trust and I will wait. Verse 3, we see that he, the ESV, which I preach and teach from, uses this interesting word. The only translation that I could find that really used that in the English language is wantonly treacherous. What does that mean? That they're merciless. They're, they're malicious. There's no foundation. There's no cause a lot of times for those people who come after us. And they deal deceitfully and they act covertly. But then we see two verses that are really just very fascinating to me in this particular psalm of David. And he says what? Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. And for you I wait all the day long. Look look at what he says. Make me. Make me do what? Know your ways. Teach me your past. Lead me in your truth. Teach me. So look, at, I mean, I just boxed in in the way of, as I was studying this, know, teach, lead, truth, teach. And he is the God of our salvation. David says, for you I wait all the day long. This, this truth, this truth that we see that David is talking about is not a set of abstract doctrines or abstract principles, but it is a way of life. To learn from this teacher, to learn from the Lord, is to walk in the path that he shows us. You know, as I get up on Sunday mornings and and I stand before you, I apologize this morning's announcements were a little long. I get that. But you know what? When we're only together one day a week, it's important for us to try to communicate the heart of what's happening here at Bethel. So thank you for your patience and for your understanding. But one of the things that we talk about most every Sunday morning is we, we touch on a Connect card. Why is that Connect card important? Because it's important about taking the next step that Jesus has called you to take. We had two families two weeks ago who took their next step of faith, and that was doing what? Joining Bethel Baptist Church. Because they see what God is doing, and they want to be a part of that. Later this month, we have baptism services coming up. Some of those same individuals will be a part of that baptism service. Are there others of you here that need to have that conversation as well. Maybe you just need to have lunch or breakfast or dinner with me or Pastor Austin and just sit across from one another and talk about where you are in your faith. There's nothing wrong with that. Austin and I are, are not perfect, but I can tell you what, I, I can speak for myself this morning. I'm a digital pack rat for Jesus. Man, I go to conferences, I pick up books, I pick up PDFs, I save, I save stuff in email. I save things in Google Drive. Why? All for the intention when people come and as they're looking to grow in their faith, maybe it's in their prayer life, maybe it's in their relationships, maybe it's setting boundaries. I don't know. I lean into those resources to be able to do what? Pass them along to help them to grow in their faith. There's nothing wrong with sitting down across the table from someone and just talking about where you are. I had the privilege of doing that yesterday the young man and just to hear about his family and hear what's going on and hear how his children are doing and hear some of the things that he and his wife are wrestling with and it's a privilege it's a privilege to be able to hear those things and to love and encourage them and to lean into the things that god has shown me to be able to pray with them then we see verse six through seven and i think we got this far last time let me go back for a minute forgot one of something in my notes <coughs> so here in verse um in verse 5, 
He says, for you I wait all the day long. Listen, listen now. Waiting is a part of God teaching us. It's a part of him teaching us. Waiting has a purpose. And it's part of his plan. And here's what I want to simply remind you this morning. Trust him. And he will teach you the truth. He will show you your transgressions. And he will give you a testimony worth sharing. Friends, God can turn your mess into a message. You might have heard that before. And that's the honest to God truth. Some stories, some people's stories are more messy than others. But God has brought you through things in your life that are not for naught. They're not just because he had nothing else to do except, oh, I think he should have to go through that or she should have to go through that. No, you've been through that as a way of leaning more onto him. And as you walk through your life, you need to be able to find community with other people, other women, with women, men with men, to be able to lean into one another, to sharpen one another, to encourage one another, to love one another, to comfort one another. Now let's look at verse 6 and 7. And so David says, Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or the transgressions, or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Verse 7, can I, can I just uh, call you as a way of remembering something this morning? H- how many of you have something that you did when you were younger that you wish that you wouldn't have done, right? That you wish that you wouldn't have had to go through, right? The, most, uh, the majority of the hands in this room were raised. And David's saying, remember not the sins of my youth. Praise God that you aren't the man, you aren't the woman of who you used to be, amen? If you're following Jesus, you should be becoming more like him. The Father's making you more like the Son. You'll hear a little bit more about our transgressions in just a moment. Then David turns his attention to praising Yahweh's character, to praising the Lord's character. He says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Verse 9, he leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. Listen, humility is key. Humility is key to following Jesus as, as we look back a minute ago, and I forgot to ask you, and I kind of started there this morning, but when we were looking at verse 4, make me to know your ways and teach me your paths. So as we look to the Lord, are we teachable? Are we teachable? Are we allowing the Lord to use us? And as I started with that opening question, do you know everything there is to know? I don't think there's one person that jumped up and said, yeah, because why? We're all learning. As we go through life, there are things right now that we we might see a certain way, but as we go through life and the Lord tarries and and doesn't come back and leaves us here, we're going to learn and we're going to grow. And how often have you had things in your life that have changed? Your your perception has changed. Your, Your view of that has changed. That's because you're allowing yourself to be teachable by the Holy Spirit. And humility is key. You've heard me say it time and time again. I love nuggets of wisdom because I'm a simple man. I, I can't, I'm not a deep thinker in a lot of ways, and so I love those things that stick. But a humble person can learn from anybody. You know, when you go into a situation, and I wish I had it in my notes. Um, actually, I might, so hang on. Y'all going to get something they didn't get in the first service. 
See, that's you, you wake up late and you get something they didn't get. All right, so here's um, if it update. It probably didn't. I have to find it for you, but basically it talked about, you know, if you walk into a room and you're the smartest person in the room, then maybe you might need to find a new room. You're in the wrong place. So I'll share that. I'll find that for you or whatever. It's something I read this past week, and this is a great reminder. So he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. We must humble ourselves before the Lord to be taught by him, to realize and to go to him and say, Lord, I don't know everything there is to know about this situation. Lord, my marriage, I need help with that. Lord, my children, oh, please, Lord, just help me. Amen? For those of you who have kids, I mean, you're, they're going to present you challenges. They're going to present you things, and you're just going to be baffled. But we must humble ourselves to the point of seeking the Lord to be continuously taught by him. Verse 10, And all the paths of the Lord are the steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Our God is a, is a covenantal God. Another message for another day. But look with me verse in this chunk of Scripture, verses 11 through 15. <clears throat> for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will instruct in his way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Now, now let's look at verse 12 for a minute. What's interesting is, who is the man who fears the Lord? That's a question. As we look in the scripture, it's timeless. It is still living and active. Who is the man who fears the Lord? That's the question we could be we should be asking today. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Typically, as we think of the word fear, we think of terror and we think of dread. But here, David is talking about the awe and reverence of God. Friends, where is the awe and reverence of an almighty God? Who is the man who fears him? As we think about the fear of the Lord, uh, just very quickly, I want to share with you some things that I wrote in my notes. So as we think about the fear of the Lord, if, as we think about that awe and reverence that he is owed because he is Lord and we are not, I, I very simply wrote down this statement, that it brings clarity to our lives. As we fear the Lord, as we give him the awe and reverence that he is due, it gives us clarity in our lives. First off, it gives us clarity about God, and it gives us clarity about ourselves. Ourselves, what do we know about ourselves? As we seek the Lord, as we fear the Lord, and put Him in the place of which He belongs, then we see ourselves for who we truly are, that we're sinful, that we're weak, that we're frail, and we're needy. But friends, let me tell you what we see about God, that he is holy, that he's almighty, that he's righteous and pure, that he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's all-wise. Fear the Lord. It will bring clarity to your life. You will see yourself for who you really are, but praise God, you will see him for who he really is. All-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise. Then, when we fear the Lord, we will give him the respect 
for who he is. I wrote down this statement, fear of the Lord leads to clarity in our lives. When we see God for who he is, we realize that we are nothing without him. Reverence and respect flow from a heart transformed by grace. Reverence and respect flow from a heart transformed by grace. Look with me in verse 14. The, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Well, what's fascinating here about that is, as we see that, King James, old King Jimmy, as you look in the KJV, it says the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. In essence, what David is saying here is that when we seek the Lord, when we fear him, honor him, and give him the reverence that he is due, then we have those intimate conversations and we learn the plans and the purposes that he has for our lives. Friends, you and I can plan all day long. We can sit down and we can scheme and we can think and we can do, but where is God in that? Where is God in our planning? What does God want for us? What does God want for Bethel? That's one of the reasons inward and outward is so important to me. Because it's an opportunity for us to come together as a body and say, okay, each and every one of you, we believe, is wonderfully and uniquely created by God. Each of you have been through different things. Each of you have different backgrounds. And so by us coming together and collectively looking and saying, okay, God, what have you birthed in my heart? How how do I desire to connect with other people? How How can we connect with other people who are here? How can we reach people who aren't? That's what that's a part of. And so what are we doing? We're, we're not leaving God out of that. We want to prayerfully come into that. We prayerfully want to have those discussions. And then we want to be able to go back and be able to pray through what those next steps look like. Does that mean everything we talk about that night will happen? No. My goodness, no. It doesn't. But there might be a few things. There might be a thing that makes a difference in your life and helps you take that next step into what? Finding community with other believers. And you learning and growing so that as we've said, and I'm pretty sure I heard it somewhere else, so it's not original to me, but the goal at Bethel is what? We want to be a place where people can believe, belong, and become who God intends them to be. The first part is they need to believe. They need to know Jesus, and they need to know community. They need to be able to belong. They need to have that place to belong whether it's a men's Bible study or a women's Bible study or a couple's Bible study or a group. And it's going to look different, guys, as we go forward in life. Sorry, now I'm going to go from preaching to meddling for a minute, so hang on, but I'm going to roll with this thought. Things are going to look different going forward. We, I've already seen differences since I've been here in the last 18 months. We have some people, we have some groups that are meeting and they're only meeting every other week. But praise God, they've continued to stay together and continue to love and encourage one another. So we have to step back and say, we're not, we can't just create these little boxes that we've always had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. No. How are we going to connect with other people who aren't here? How are we going to connect with people throughout? And so one of the things that we see for our participants and also those people leading those groups, what? If you do something week in, week out, 52 weeks a year, that burns people what? Slap out. We're we're, We're meant to come and to gather as a body, but what does God command us to do? He commands us to go. 
You can't spell gospel without go. We're to go and to share the gospel. We're to go and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But we must come together and love and encourage each other. And we have to do that in different ways as we go forward to connect with people. Because listen, guys, this isn't my grandfather's ministry. My grandfather was in ministry from the late 50s up until the early 90s. When he was firing brimstone in the late 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, the church was the cultural center of the community. They didn't have Little League. They didn't have dance. They didn't, both parents didn't work all the time. You've got to shift. The message does not change, but the methods do. How we reach people will change. It will look different. So pray for me. Pray for our leadership as we have conversations. Let me tarry on. Verse 16 through 18. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring out of me my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive me all my sins. Hang on, we'll come back to that. Then verse 19 through 22. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Friends, very quickly a reminder of verse 22. America is not God's chosen nation. It is the nation of Israel. Now let's look back very quickly. I want you to see a few things in this passage. <clears throat> I have it in my notes. Now let's see if God can get it out of my heart. First off, we see here that in verse 11, David says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. As I, as I look and as I preach and I teach, where is the gospel? The gospel is right there in these passages. Pardon my guilt, for it is great. Friends, have, have you come to a place in your life that you realize that you are guilty? That your sins and your transgressions, there is a guilt, there is a payment that is due that you cannot pay. Pardon me. He does that through Jesus. But what's interesting here about the Lord is he talks about, pardon me for my guilt, for it is great. What the Lord reminded me in between the two services is Psalm 103, also of David, where he says, listen, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. There's that word again, fear as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Praise God for the truth of his word. Amen. That as high as the heavens are, that is how much he loves you and our guilt, those sins, our sins of our youth, that if we'll turn to him, that as far as the east is from the west, he'll remove our transgressions. How far is the east from the west? It's infinite. You, you, it's just infinite how, how great his love is. And his pardon is in our lives. Well, what's interesting here is, is we go from this, talking about our pardon is great. Look at verse 16 through 18. 
turn to me and be gracious to me. Aren't you thankful that the Lord is gracious and does not give you what you are owed? For I am lonely and afflicted. Is there anybody in here this morning that says, hey, I can identify with David. I'm lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring out of me my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Friends, that's the gospel in and of itself is realizing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that you cannot save yourself. The only thing that each and every one of you, including me, is owed is death. Hell, separation from God. And you say, well, Pastor Chris, that's not fair. The fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. We're not God. But as Mr. Gene and Miss Melissa sang this morning, there's a road, there's a path of which we must choose. That we don't have to choose death, but thank God because of Jesus and the old rugged cross that we can choose life. Choose wisely. Because what do we see in verse 19 through 20? <clears throat> Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Verse 20, oh, guard my soul and deliver me and let me not put, be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. I've stood in this exact spot many times before, and I've talked about to you guys that there are times in our lives that where we must put feet and hands to our prayers. But here this morning, I'm reminding you that there will be times in your life where you feel afflicted, where you feel lonely, and what you must do is take refuge. You must run to the Father, and you must find refuge and safety and strength in Him. And you have to be like David and say, Lord, I will wait for you. I will wait for you to work in my life. But last but not least, at all of this, at the end of the day, verse 11, the very beginning of that, for your namesake, O Lord. It is for the Lord's namesake that he does what he does in our lives. It is so that he can get the glory for who he is and for what he's done. It's for his glory. It's for His namesake, as He has worked in your marriages, as He's worked in your family, as He's worked in your office, as He's worked in your relationship. It is all for His namesake. It is all, not for you to get the glory, not to rob Him of the glory that's owed Him, but so that you can do what? That you can praise Him for who He is and for what He's done. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank You for Psalm 25. Thank You for David's heart. Thank you, Lord, for just giving him the words to share with us, Lord, that we indeed, our prayer should be for us to know your ways, Lord, for you to teach us your paths and to lead us in your truth. And Father, I pray today as we've talked about, Lord, that we may begin to trust and to wait on you. Father, I pray if there's one here today who's never humbled themselves never realized the, the guilt, the pardon that is available in Christ and Christ alone, Lord, I pray that they would turn to Jesus and receive that pardon and receive that forgiveness. Lord, for others of us today, Lord, as we live our lives, Lord, help us to realize the sins that we have committed knowingly and unknowingly. Father, forgive us of our sins. 
Father, your word says that you're faithful and just to forgive us. And so, Father, I pray today, Lord, as we go out this week, Lord, when we feel lonely, when we feel afraid, when we feel desperate, Lord, we can turn to you because you are our rock and our refuge. You're our help in times of trouble. Father, help us to trust and to wait. Father, help us to have a teachable spirit that we may learn and become who you have created us to be, to be more like your son Jesus and less like the world. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son. Amen.